Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome into this episode of Bear Bones. It's a holly jolly season, just not necessarily for the Bears. I am Mason West, and today I am joined by Ross Reed. Ross, how are you doing? Oh, what's cracking, my man? Thanks for having me on. Happy holidays to you. Beautiful sweater, beautiful hat. <laughs> hey, it's the most wonderful time of the year. I wore this <laughs> at work all day and, you know, just trying to show a little bit of some holiday cheer during this interesting time for this mm-hmm. franchise. Um not exactly what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, we, we we had all the uh, – we were in all of our feelings last week, right, thinking that we could run the table and potentially uh, shoot for a playoff spot. And, and we were hoping that um, this would also cement Justin Fields being safe long-term. And here we are, another double-digit loss in the fourth quarter. Joe Flacco threw for 215 yards in one quarter. He was on his sofa three weeks ago, just like I am, and uh, – yeah, it's a, it's a little disheartening. So, but we we press on. The Cardinals come to town, and uh, you know we can at least hope that they finish strong and, and finish with eight wins. I think that will still be a win for the season, in my opinion. And like let's let's revisit kind of that game you were just talking about, um, and and the week leading up to this Cardinals matchup. Mm-hmm. You know, you look at some crazy stats. At least I thought from that game where Justin was eight for fifteen for seventy-one yards and passes that were thrown in two point five seconds or less, but was absurdly pressured on seven of these dropbacks. I took that stat from Brad Spielberger. You know, Fields had a three point three seven second average time to throw, which was the second longest of any quarterback of the week. So that's just kind of what he does. But clearly, we're trying to get the ball a little quickly. But the whole line was struggling this week compared to most recent ones. It was, and the thing that really stuck out to me, um, and it has been the last couple of weeks, is the the pass protection from the running backs has been abysmal. And you know, ever since they lost their running back coach for you know whatever reason, for, you know, reasons remain unknown, right? We don't know about that. We know it's an HR issue, but you know, th- those three guys have really struggled in pass protection, and, and it really showed up more on tape this week. And and, and Justin kind of hit it on the head. He was like, "Listen, I saw some guys downfield." I just didn't have the time to get the football to them downfield. And, and, you know, that is a little bit of a miss, obviously, from Lou Getze, knowing that you're facing one of the best defenses in the league, a defense that has Miles Garrett on it, that wants to generate a ton of pressure. Um, but also, I put that on the players as well. And, and and the players have to be better week after week. You know, it, you know Deontay Foreman, you know, Cleo Herbert, you know, even Roshan Johnson. Roshan Johnson, a little bit less, but... You know, those two first guys, they've never known to be good, you know, in, in pass protection as running backs. You know, Roshan Johnson has been. But, you know, all in all, they should have been better this week. And, you know, the, I think the Bears left one to three t- plays on the table. Um, that was the difference between a win or a loss. Obviously, the Robert Tunyon catch was huge, or non-catch, I should say. Um, the uh, missed block 
by Darnell Mooney to spring Justin Fields for one yard on fourth and one when Cleveland had you know a ton of momentum going their way was another big play as well. Yeah, I mean, another uh, play that wasn't made uh, third quarter, right? Justin on that one screen to, I believe it was Roshan Johnson, where he uh, just threw it out of bounds, didn't think he had him open. But, you know, if you're looking at it from the all 22, it's easy to say sitting here in my fake Christmas village I'm living in right now. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you, you like to hope that he can get that ball up and over to, to Roshan. And, I mean, that's at least 40, if not a touchdown. So definitely some plays left on the field, like you said. Yeah, 100%. And, I mean, that's been the Bears' MO all season is when things tighten up in these close games. You know, this is now three games now this year that they should have won, but they lost in the fourth quarter. We're talking about this Cleveland game. We've got the Denver game. And then, of course, we've got that Lions game. That right there, if you just finish the job, um, they're in the hunt for a six or seven seed heading into this weekend. Um, and, and so that's the difference between a good football team and a – bad to mediocre football team is when things tighten up and get tense, you've got to be able to overcome and make those one to three plays to win a football game. And unfortunately they just haven't proven that this year. Well, and that kind of leads into our concussed corner, something from last game that we didn't like. I know we already listed a couple things, but there's definitely enough that we can talk about here. For me, it was some play design choices. Uh, for example, first two run plays, I mean, you're running right at Miles Garrett. Now, is that something where you're just running to, you know, strong side of the field and is that up to, you know, adjusting fields to adjust away from a Miles Garrett seeing that? Um, or is that just, hey, this is where we're going with a run. Do it, do it, do it regardless. Um, and in Justin Fields' first sack, same thing where he fumbles. You're having Cole commit chip and run a pretty intermediate route that's pretty deep on that. You know, he's never going to get open in time before that Justin's going to get pressured. So it's just some of the design and choice was just very odd to me. Yeah, I, I would even add on to that, you know, the the key fourth down play, asking Darnell Moody to make that block. Darnell Moody is probably about 183 pounds soaking wet. And, and you asking him to make that block on the outside to, to spring your quarterback to me is uncalled for. But for me, the biggest thing that sticks out is, you know, on third and 15, when, when the Browns needed a big play to extend the drive to eventually get the game winning field goal, you drop a 300 pound defensive tackle into coverage and ask him to to cover David and Joku. If I had a factory around the corner that built tight ends, it would look like David and Joku. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that's the exact wrong person you want, you know, trying to cover him. I, I think that to me, and Matt Eberflus had some accountability for that, but that's just uncalled for in that situation. Yeah, I and then even afterwards when Flus was trying to explain it, he was basically just like, yeah, that was the wrong call. And it's kind of like, right. yeah, no duh. Um, I could have told you that probably before that play even happened. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it, it, you're a defensive-minded head coach and you pride yourself on, you know, he, he tends to call his games relatively conservative, especially on the offensive side, thinking that his defense would win a game. Well, there you go. On third and 15, again, against, I, I, I hate to keep harping on this, but Joe Flacco was literally on his sofa a few weeks ago and you allow him to get that playoff. That's on call for, for me as a head coach. And those are one of the litany of things this year as you know i know the bears are playing better and defense is playing better but i don't think matt everflew should be the head coach of this team long term well that, that'll be really interesting as we go forward as the season wraps up and as we move to the off season because you know ryan pulled earlier in the year definitely had a pretty ringing endorsement for that their head coach someone who didn't necessarily get a ringing endorsement this week was luke getsy um there's a, a lot to the interview that went on with Flus uh, during that press conference but one thing that was pulled out uh, when Matt Eberflus was asked what he thinks about Bears Luke Getzey performance, a lot of things were said, but ultimately ended by saying, "I love Luke. He's a great leader in the room. I'll evaluate everything in the end." Not exactly the stamp of approval. It's not, and you know, I think right now it's it's fend for yourselves. You know, time of the season. I think if Matt Eberflus does want to keep his job, he's got to be. Um, he, he's got to. He's got to shine a light on himself and like and say hey look these are the things that i'm doing well and the things that i can do going forward to to get better but i i have a good you know handle on these things and then one of them is our offense is not good enough but i can kind of throw this guy underneath the bus a little bit and make him my sacrificial lamb this year and and go to the mccaskies and say hey look defense is playing better turn the corner yada 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 we won some games after a terrible september you give me a new offensive coordinator, you give me a new defensive coordinator, and then all of a sudden I think that we can continue to build on this thing. But, yeah, I, I think regardless, you know, sacrificial lamb number one at the end of the year is going definitely going to be Luke Getze. 
Well, and, you know, if you look, there's some interesting stats, I think, floating around Bears Twitter right now that show where Luke Getze falls in terms of play caller. Yeah. Um, the marriage between Getze and Fields has not been a good one. You know, clearly they're both kind of, they're button heads, and you can say either way, is is it a Justin thing, is it a Getze thing? It seems like it's a both thing at this point in time. But, you know, it, it is a little surprising to me that he's even still around at this point. Um, I There is a chance, I, I thought there was a chance that they might move on and say, hey, let's let Janoko call plays for a couple weeks here. Uh uh, but they've stuck. They've decided to stick with continuity at this point versus trying to let someone else take the reins. Yeah, you have to wonder if the decision to do that stems from the fact that they have already lost two uh, assistant coaches this year for other reasons, and they're like, "Man, we just cannot have the PR hit of of having a third person leave this situation this year." You know, I, I think if uh, if Allen Williams and and and, uh, and and their running back coach were able to stick around. Then you might have seen Luke Getzey be a sacrificial lamb, you know, earlier in the season. But given you know everything that has transpired, I think they just decided to hold on to him. I completely agree with you. It doesn't work. All the advanced stats say that he is you know one of the, the bottom five play callers in the league right now. Um, he does not put his um, players in the best position, I think, to succeed. You know, despite the Bears having a guy like DJ Moore and speed on the outside in Mooney in Tyler Scott and other weapons, they're one of the worst in the league in wide receiver separation. And to me, that's got a lot to do with his scheme and the way he calls plays. He, I, I don't like the fact that he takes the football out of Justin's hands in key spots, um, a la that Detroit game that they blew. And, and, and you know, you, you kind of take the football out of his hands in those spots. Um, so he's not it. I, I think after this year, I, I'd be hard-pressed to see Luke Getzey ever call plays in the NFL ever again. You know, he might be – you know, a career NFL coach or something like that. So something you talked about earlier was, you know, let's say Matt Eberflus is retained as as a head coach going into next year. You know, mm-hmm. he, in theory, picked Luke Getze to call plays, be that offensive coordinator. Who would you ex- – are you confident that Getze can bring in someone else at offensive coordinator to – whether it's Justin, whether it's one of these rookies? Because, you know, who is his list? Who is he pulling off of? It was a pretty short interview process, at least it seemed like, for Getze – I don't know that I'm all that confident. Yeah, I'm not very confident either, especially when you've got a head coach who now, for all intents and purposes, he's in lame duck mode, right? Like like he's in a year-by-year situation. I can't see the Bears extending his current contract right now. There's a, there's a very good chance that if they underperform next year, if he does keep his job, he'd get fired. So how many offensive coordinators do you know want to sign up for basically a one-year gig? You know, you'd be looking at guys like potentially Eric Bieniemy if he doesn't get a head coaching gig, uh, Washington Commanders uh, offensive coordinator right now. Um, do you kick the tires on a guy like Kellen Moore, who, you know, obviously is, is going to be looking for a new job at the end of the year uh, because, uh, you know, Staley was fired and, and now he'd be on his third offensive coordinator gig. And he thought that he could have been a head coaching candidate after this year. That didn't work out for him. Um, Ken Dorsey is still out there. The, the, exiled offensive coordinator from Buffalo a few weeks ago, right? And then, you know, you can also start to look in the college ranks. And, and, and that to me, you know, I, I look at the Bears situation. If they do decide to keep Eberflus and they do decide to keep Justin Fields, then all of a sudden I start to look at the way the Baltimore Ravens did things, which is they, they kept John Harbaugh. Um, they put Lamar kind of on a prove-it-to-us situation right with the option and 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 then the long-term deal but then this year they brought in a college offensive coordinator from georgia to turn that offensive around and and that's something that the bears potentially could do at the end of this year you know there are guys out in college who will do anything to get their foot in the nfl door uh to to call plays even if that means they're on a one a one-year situation yeah, I know one name that was floated out, um, someone that we both know pretty smart, um, I think it was Liam Cohn, who's mm-hmm. got some ties to the Rams, uh, currently at Kentucky, I believe, and he runs a system pretty similar to what Getsy does. Because if you mm-hmm. are going to keep adjust fields, you don't want to necessarily set, bring him another brand new system because that's just not going to work. That's the Jay Cutler approach. That's you know that's what the Bears have always done. So you know someone that maybe was in the system would be a good call there. It's been pretty dark and dreary, according to some of the beat who have been in House Hall. That loss uh, hit them pretty hard. So we're going to attempt to bring a little joy to, to Hallis, and we're going to have Sansa Reed 
uh, give us a perspective uh, on what he would do and what he'd give to some of these individuals. So first up, we have Matt Eberflus. First off, what do you think is on his Christmas list? What is he asking Santa Reed for? And ultimately, what is Santa Reed going to actually bring him? Yeah, hopefully he's not asking for a Redfin agent to put his house for sale out in, <laughs> out in the northern suburbs and move on, right? I think uh, I, I think he would be asking for uh, some sort of job security from his boss right now heading into this holiday season. I think Matt Bruce would like to, to start 2024 knowing if he's got a job long-term in Chicago. Um, what I personally would give him is, um, you know, give him – Give him more of an accountability approach. Um, it's refreshing to hear a guy like Mike McDaniel down in Miami say, I screwed up on this, or I let you guys down on this. And so, and that goes a long way in the, rock, in the locker room. And I would love to have seen uh, Matt Eberflus over the years have that instead of continuously throwing his players and other coaches into the bus. Really good. I like those answers. Moving on, we have who we talked about a little earlier, Luke Getze. What is he asking for? What are you bringing him? Uh, he's asking for um, probably a moving truck out of Chicago, <laughs> and I'm going to give it to him. I'm going <laughs> to give him one. I'm going to give him, uh, you know, two guys and a mover or whatever he needs. Um, you know, he's probably asking for uh, somebody who can update his LinkedIn profile as well in his resume because he's definitely going to be looking for a new gig sooner than later. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, there's only, what, 30, 32 offensive coordinator yeah. positions in the NFL. Um, it, it was always kind of crazy to me. Like, as soon as he was hired, people were talking about him as NFL head coach. Oh, what if he's only here for one year with Justin because he's going to do so well? Yeah. Um, but like you said, I mean, just like players who kind of overstay their welcome or want to even get out because they don't love it. I can't imagine Luke Getzi enjoys being in Chicago right now. Yeah. And, you know, a reset somewhere else. While, yes, the chances of him getting another NFL OC job are pretty low. Getting back in the college world, I mean, Nathaniel Hackett, right, he's over with the Jets, and I mean, that's not going well for him, so bad example, but I'm yeah. trying to refurbish his resume at this point with what he thought was going to be a Rodgers-esque run here with the Jets. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he just has to go somewhere else and reset. Um, good example of that maybe is Matt Nagy. I mean, some people have brought him up as potential head coach material, not maybe this year, but going forward after mm-hmm. a little rough patch with the Bears at head coach. Mm-hmm. Lastly, Justin Fields. What is he asking for? What are you bringing him? I think he's asking for the Bears to give him uh, one more year, one more shot at this uh, with some help specifically from a new offensive coordinator and also uh, specifically for new weapons. And uh, that's what I would give him, to be honest with you. I would give him – I if you do decide to keep Justin Fields, I know this is not a very popular take – I would surround him with as much quality talent as possible. You try, you try and take that San Francisco 49ers approach. Why not go out there and get um, Marvin Harrison Jr. and Bowers from Georgia? Put two weapons out there, right, and allow him to kind of cook a little bit more and, and be that, that athletic point guard that you want him to be on the, on the, uh, on the football field. So I would get him more offensive weapons uh, should he be a, a, a Chicago Bear long term. Yeah, I know um, I'm one of the last of a dying breed of uh, Fields apologists, I think, in the kind of the media world for the most part. I mean, I don't even know if keeping Justin is the right choice necessarily. I haven't really settled on that at this point. But mm-hmm. um, if you are going to, like you said, I mean, A, get draft capital if possible, B, surround him with the most talent. Because at the end of the day, worst case scenario, there are multiple pathways to a quarterback. If you get, like you said, a Marvin Harrison Jr. and a Bowers, what prevents you from doing a Rams-esque trade in the future for a disgruntled veteran or like a Matt Stafford type, plug that mm-hmm. person in and all of a sudden, you know, you could be Super Bowl bound with more weapons around you. One thing you talked about was Justin asking for one more year. Do you think, I mean, if you were him, put mm-hmm. yourself in the Justin Field shoes, not speaking for him necessarily, would mm-hmm. you want to be in Chicago next year? I, I would be. I, I think that, you know, he has, he certainly has that locker room support right now. And I think that's very important. And I think that, you know, regardless of how this season has gone, it's, it's had a fair share of ups and downs. Um, the building blocks are there. The defense is solid, right? And, and they can continue to build there. But you look at offensively, DJ Moore is a solid number one wide receiver in this league. That offensive line has gotten better this year. You're, you've got a top 10 tight end right now in Cole Komet. 
Um, and so I, I think Justin can look at this situation and say, look, give me another number. These guys are going to have two top 10 picks in the draft. That's enough for you to give me more weapons and I can cook with those weapons. I, I think he would want to be here. Um, you know, I, I know obviously out there, you know, George, you know, Atlanta's going to be on a list. People throw that name out there, but it's like, let's say they keep Arthur Smith as a head coach. Is, is that the guy that you want to, to be your head coach next year? He doesn't know how to use Kyle Pitts and Bijan Robinson, which are just tremendous red flags to me. Mm-hmm. And, and so you want to put Justin in that situation. So he doesn't know how to use them either along with, with Drake London, right? The grass is not always greener on the other side. Justin has a home here. Justin has uh, obviously, you know, you just said it yourself. He's built a, a very big cult fan base of people who just don't want to let him go. Anytime somebody runs a poll on Twitter X about keeping Justin versus drafting Caleb Fields or Drake May, it is overwhelmingly 60 plus percent. We want to keep Justin Fields. The fans love him. And, and so I think he does want to stay here if that is a, uh, a possibility. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like in terms of intangibles, I don't know that you can find necessarily a better quarterback in terms of how he handles himself with Mm -hmm. the media in the locker room. I mean, those guys, like you said, they absolutely love him. Um, Going back to me, I mean, Chicago is a hard place to play. (laughs) But, you know, if you're good, you know, Chicago will love you. And at the same time, if you're not, it's it's really tough, especially for the most important position in one of the biggest teams in one of the biggest cities. Um, And he's handled it, I think, better than most have. I mean, We've seen what Smoke and Jay Cutler has done here, and, and things of that nature. It's it's been, it can be very rough. Um, so I'm old know. enough to remember when when Cade McNown completely shit the bed as a as a quarterback in Chicago. It, yes, it's a city that will uh, chew you up and spit you out, but uh, it's a city that if you are successful and you are humble and passionate, uh, they will love you forever. Because you know we also remember the Derrick Rose years and and. The, you know, even through the, you know, obviously Jordan, but through the Dennis Rodman years and stuff like that. And, and Sammy Sosa is still even beloved in Chicago despite his transgressions. So, you know, it, it's a it's a very passionate, fun sports city, especially uh, when you're su- successful. We're going to take a quick break here and then we're going to move forward looking at this, uh, some injuries that are happening and Cardinals matchup. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G Podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the future of work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back in. We are going to take a peek at the Bears and Cardinals injuries, kind of peel away some of these layers and see how it might affect the outcome of this game. First off, we have Chicago Bears. Uh, that is not exactly what you want to see if you're a Bears fan, just a lot of DMPs and limiteds on there. Um, some of the ones that really stand out the most, which is you know, Deontay Foreman was, uh, for personal reasons, we'll see ultimately what that's going to be. Don't want to guess what's happening there. Biggest, biggest for me is Tevin Jenkins. Uh, he was having a great year. 
injury bug pops up again. The thing that's tough for me as a, as a physical therapist is some of the things are kind of connected, you know, the low back and the neck. Yes. You can make connections there, of course. Um, but you know, with a concussion, it's just one of sometimes it's one of those things that does, that happens. Can it be connected to the next stuff he had previously in the year? Absolutely. Or last year? Absolutely. Could it be a totally separate entity? Also, absolutely. But you know, the best ability ability is availability and he has consistently not been available. You know, he's one of those guys that you've floated out or people have floated out in terms of keep him here long-term a, how big is this for this game to not have a Tevin Jenkins in there and B, long-term. Is that someone that you might want to invest in? It's definitely big to me because you always want to have, you know, continuity is the most important thing in football is, is at the offensive line. I always want a consistent five guys week in, week out. And he's also, you know, arguably their best offensive lineman when healthy. So, you know, you definitely want him out there. He's tremendous in the running game. He's tremendous in the passing game, especially with the fact that the Bears really struggle at the center position. I love Tevin. I love his talent. I love uh, just the guy he is off the field. He's a family guy. He's, he's got a one kidnapped. He's got another one on the way soon. I would love for him to stay in Chicago long term, but it's tough to want to commit to somebody long term with the years and the money when you can't stay on the football field consistently. And that's been his issue in the league right now. And, and like you said, none of not a lot of it is his fault. Some of it's bad luck, but some of it also is connected. And when you look at the opposite guard, that's a guy like Nate Davis, who is also older. He's also struggled this year. I have to think that the Bears are going to uh, – I, I think both guys will be starters next season, but I do have to think that the Bears will address interior line at some point fairly early in the draft, probably around the third round. They need to get a guard in there that could probably also play center as well and get some stability for those three spots right in the middle. Yeah, uh, and there's you know some people love what Poles has done, some don't. I think he's done overall a pretty good job. One thing that I think he's done is create flexibility for himself so that – he can go after uh, some individuals in the draft that can create more flexibility, right? So you can target a guard center combo, a center combo, uh, go after a center uh, in free agency, things of that nature, just to try to really create not just a good offensive line, but create offensive line depth, which is really hard to have in this league. It is. And it's also, you look around the league, it's, it's turned into the most important thing in the NFL right now. I mean, listen, you go from 17 games to 18 games. A lot of people think that's not a lot. It's one week, but that's, it becomes a serious war of attrition at this point of, of who can stay on the field, who, you know, is able to hold up for, you know, at this day and age, you're hoping you can get guys to play for 15, 16 games out of the 18. Um, and then, you know, you start looking at the offensive line, which I already think the talent has just dropped significantly uh, from college football to the NFL. It just all of a sudden, we're not drafting quality offensive linemen anymore. We're not developing them in the college level anymore. So they're more at a premium. But these guys are protecting your most prized asset on the team, which is your quarterback. And and if your quarterback is out, look at who's going to be starting this Sunday. We've got you know your, your Jake Brownings of the world and, and you know Gardner Minshew, even though he's fighting for a playoff spot, and Tommy DeVito's. And there are just backups all over the league right now taking snaps. Uh, Easton Stick is a is a starting quarterback this weekend. I couldn't tell you who Easton Stick was if he had a t-shirt on saying, hey, I'm Easton Stick. <laughs> <laughs> but that's kind of where we're at. So you need solid offensive linemen to be able to protect these guys and, and keep them upright every single week. Definitely something we're going to keep an eye on because as of right now, uh, while Cody Whitehair did okay last week, you know, he didn't blow it up like he has in previous weeks. There were still a couple of times couple snaps where he got taken advantage of a bit. So hopefully Tevin can get back. Probably not this week. Um, I mean, he'd have to be limited Friday for him to come back just based on how you, the return to concussion protocols tend to be. Um, but so at this point, I would not expect him. The other name to me that really stands out, and as you talked about earlier with that Darnell Mooney block, uh, they've missed him the last couple of weeks yeah. is Equinemia St. Brown. Yeah. He is still not participating with that peck. Uh, what does that mean for the Bears, the run game, and then some of that wide receiver three, wide receiver four thought process? Yeah, to me, it takes a lot away from the read option that would make Justin Fields so very dangerous, especially having a Justin Fields on the field uh, with Khalil Herbert and Roshan Johnson. You know, and that's where I think there's a is a missing aspect over the last couple of weeks with ESB out is they're not able to run that read option as much as they want to get Justin out on the edge. You know, he's he hasn't really broken big, big, big runs this year like we saw him last year. 
you know, right now I don't have his rushing stats off the top of my head, but you know, I know Lamar Jackson is leading the league right now in quarterbacks with rushing with like several over 700 yards. Justin ideally should be up there. Um, a lot of his runs this year have come off of the scrambles and not off of the design runs. And I think that's a large part to do with the fact that they just haven't had the blocking on the outside that they wanted. Darnell Mooney is never, is never going to be a good blocking wide receiver. That's just not his game. That's not his MO. You need guys like Equinemius St. Brown out there to be able to get that done. And he just hasn't been available for most of the year. Yeah, right now, actually, so uh, Justin is third in the NFL in rushing yards at 488, trailing Jalen Hurts at 542 and Lamar at a staggering 741. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he's definitely up there. And I, I do I would say that his rushing, it's been it's been tough because at least last year, his biggest runs really did come off of, right, some of the scrambles. Um, and then this year, when they tried to do some of the design runs, Man, it's been real hit and miss. Some of that's sometimes you get that nice solid eight yard gain, you're super happy, and there are other times he's getting blasted in the backfield. Sure. So you know it's a tough middle. I'm trying to trying to find where it's like, all right, how how much do you really want to choose to run him, and how do you almost produce those unproducible scrambles? Yeah, and I mean to the point of not having Equinemius out there, you see this year they're doing a lot more between the tackles runs with Justin Fields. I hate those runs. I never mm-hmm. want to see Justin Fields in a design run between the tackles. He's not Josh Allen. He's not built like Josh Allen. He's not as big as Josh Allen. I never want him taking those hits. You can hear my dogs in the background. Um, I always want him on the edge or uh, scrambling. Absolutely. I mean, that's his biggest asset is just that ability to accelerate, and you're not doing that between the tackles. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to flip over to the Cardinals here. So with the Arizona Cardinals, I'm not going to lie, especially after they've kind of stripped this team down. Um, I had to look up a bunch of these dudes because I didn't know who were starters, who were backups. Uh, but some two of the names that really stand out the most, Marquise Brown, he hasn't participated in the last two weeks. Uh, neither has Greg Dortch. Uh, Dortch is someone who was able to step up for the Cardinals at times at this very sparsely talented roster. Uh, for a team that already struggles <laughs> to move the ball, yes, they have Kyler Murray back. I mean, missing two of their top receivers – that's that's not great, even though their tight end is uh, is actually doing pretty well. Yeah, tight end's doing well. But remember, they also started the year with Zach Ertz, and then he was like, hey, get me out of here. Release me. I want, I want to go to a contender. So they, they dropped him. You know, you look at the Cardinals right now, ranking on offense. They're, they're 25th in points. They're 24th in yards right now. Um, but passing yards, 29th right now. That's – they're just – they're completely abysmal through the air, and that's got a lot to do with Marquise Brown not being out there. He's a guy that can stretch the field even back in his Baltimore days, but he's another guy that just could, has never been able to stay healthy. I like Greg Dorch a lot. Um, he's a very talented young guy, but again, you don't have two of your your guys that can you know go over the top for defense. People are going to really look to play that contained style for Kyle Murray, trying to keep him in the pocket and make them uh, make him beat them short. Well, and then when you flip uh, now to the defensive side of the ball, Kevin Strong is one of their starters at defensive tackle. He was limited today. Antonio Hamilton, one of their starting corners, was also limited. You look at some of their linebackers, Owen Papa, who I was really high on in the draft, just a super athletic rocket kind of a guy. Um, BJ Ajolari, also a rookie. When you have two of those rookies playing your linebacker spot and you're missing you know, one of your starter, starting tackles, potentially, and potentially missing one of your starting corners, in theory, that should lead to an easier day for this Bears offense, maybe. I think so. They are just so young and so green on that defense, um, and, and it shows in the numbers. They're basically dead last across the board uh, in defense. Um, but the big thing for me, what sticks out from a Bears side of things, this is just a team that just is not able to generate a lot of pressure on the quarterback. Right now, uh, you know, Dennis Gardeck is, is their leading sack guy with five sacks this season. Uh, after that, uh, Victor Demajuke has got four sacks as well. But they're just not a team that can generate a lot of pressure. So I, I, I hope that even if Tevin Jenkins doesn't play, the Bears can keep a clean pocket for Justin Fields. It's going to be about 45, 40, you know, 50 degrees in Chicago this Sunday. Nice, clear weather, you know, no rain. The Bears should be able to – this is this is one of those games where you look at it in the schedule you're like, no excuses – 300 yards, two or three touchdowns through the air, please, for Justin Fields. You know, cook this bad defensive team. Really quickly, I'm going to interject here before we really dive into breaking down this game. 
a section that I've had both Dane and Kyrie do before triage, how them vitals uh, get ready for all the puns that are coming at you with all these, these <laughs> topics here. So I'm going to hit you with two questions here. One, does this game matter for you in your eyes in terms of the assessment of Justin Fields as a potential stay as a Chicago bear? And part two is if the season ended today, what would you be doing with that as it sits first overall pick for the bears? So I still think these games matter because I think that Ryan Poles has not made up his mind yet. There's a lot of nuance that goes on into this situation that we are not privy to. You know, he knows Justin personally. He knows how the locker room feels about Justin. Those things matter. He also has yet to have a conversation with Caleb Williams and Drake May. They might not mesh. They might butt heads. It it might not work. There's a lot of nuance that has to go on here uh, in that decision. So these games still matter, and you want to see, you know, Justin's a professional. You still have to go out there and play with some fight and play with some pride and 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 try and win every football game and play to the best of your ability. And secondly, they're not exactly eliminated from the playoffs yet, even though it doesn't look good. So until they say you're not eliminated, you still go out there and fight hard. And even if you do, and even if you are eliminated, you still go out there and fight hard. At this moment, I do lean towards um, drafting Kayla Williams first overall, um, just because I do think that he has um, just an unbelievable athletic ability and just crazy arm talent and the ability to, to, to get the football out quickly on a dime to receivers. Um, he's got some flaws that significantly worry me, but also when you look at the business side of the situation, he's resetting the rookie mar- the rookie QB salary market, right? And that's a big thing, I think, for the Bears is do you feel comfortable today paying Justin Fields 40 to $45 million within the next 12 months, whereas you can just reset the whole thing uh, around Kayla Williams on a rookie deal? And I think right now I lean towards that. I'm about 60-40 if I would put a percentage on it. Yeah. And and that's honestly like we're a, a very common sentiment going around right now and on that feeling. But like you, cause like you said – Regardless, if you just put the football stuff aside for a second, the business personal side, it's just, you know, paying, paying the, uh, can you pay Justin right now? The mm-hmm. the quarterback market is wild. Daniel, the Daniel Jones contract is at a, the floor for what you're paying Justin in theory. Um, because that's, I mean, he's better than Daniel Jones. I refuse. Right. He's not getting less. He's not taking less than that. Sure. Knee jerk reaction. So one hot take going into this week. Um, actually, you already answered mine. So um, it was just about how important uh, does this game have importance to how you view Justin? Um, and so I don't even need to go. So what is your knee jerk reaction? My, you know, my knee jerk reaction is to me, it, it's it's centered around Matt Everflus. Is you know, is is Matt Everflus a guy that you know is going to be able to keep this job uh, after this week? And uh, you know, he he's fighting for his job here too. I think he needs like a. I think he needs like a, a a 35 or 40 to 310 type of football game and really just a big, big statement win. You know, what's his biggest win so far as the Chicago Bears head coach? It's got to be that Lions win from a couple weeks ago. Oh, I would say so, right? I mean, that's, you know, the division, the, how, like, the, the winning by 15. I mean, the way that they did it and they won it with defense. Yes, the offense definitely helped out, of course. But, you know, winning with defense really, that was kind of a statement. Uh, besides that, there's they're few and far between. Yeah, when was the last time the Bears like blew out anybody? You know, and I, I think that's where you know you'd like you'd like to see something like that happen this week. Uh, somebody, some, some, all the everybody, all the fans uh, feeling good going into Christmas. Blow a team out for once, like make it just completely comfortable from start to finish, and kind of prove to people like, listen, we may not be there this year, but. Stick with us, and we could be one of those up-and-up teams next season that you might want to bet on uh, to, to maybe take over, uh, which I think is a very winnable division. Oh, yeah, absolutely, right? I mean, with who knows what's going to happen with Kirk Cousins. I mean, I think the Vikings are moving on even before the injury, um, and then now with that injury, he's probably he's likely out the door. Jordan Love is the Jekyll and Hyde. He's got a couple of weeks where he's all of a sudden ascending, and then he comes crashing back down to earth. Uh, and then, of course, you know, golf, Jerry Goff's Jerry Goff. So, I mean, I'm – I, I, when you blew the confetti Super Bowl test, I just don't see him standing under the confetti at this point. Uh, never right. Really did. Right. To be a perfectly honest, something brutally honest uh, going into this game, 
for me, you talked about this a little bit already. Maybe it's just happenstance, but to me, it seems like David Walker's firing uh, had a pretty big impact on not just the run game, but specifically the pass blocking. You know, Omar Young, who stepped into that role as a running backs coach, just isn't getting it done. You'd think um, from someone on the outside looking in that it's like, hey, you got you taught the technique on how to block. Great, you got that. But you're seeing this is a week to week thing. You know, you got to stay on top of these guys. We're all human. Where things falter. Um, there's different techniques, at different times, uh, different thought processes when you have different players across the way from you. And you're just seeing, especially in that Browns game, I mean, none of the three could could hold up in the pocket. Khalil Herbert has been a shell of himself since he got hurt. Same goes for Deontay Foreman with his injury. And there's a couple of runs that Roshan's had where I think before his concussion, he would have gotten a first couple more yards and he just mm-hmm. he's falling short of the sticks far too often mm-hmm. so there's just something funky going on in that running back room right now completely agree with you and we thought that that was gonna be a strength heading into the season the bears gonna have these three dynamic running backs and they were gonna be you know basically leading the league and rushing especially coupled with justin Fields. so i completely agree with you um for me it is uh the punting on both sides of the spectrum um the guillotine has really struggled this year to really pin teams deep and uh, and, and really flip the field position. And on the other side of it, uh, Trent Taylor, right? Is that his name? Mm-hmm. Uh, Trent Taylor, um, you see why the Bengals released him before the the, the, the start of the year. Um, he has just been, to me, a at, at best, a, a liability back there. All he really does is catch the football. The Bears, have, I can't remember any time they really played on a short field this year which, you know, you want to help your, your your young quarterback out and you're struggling offense, you put these guys on a short field as much as possible. And the Bears have not been able to flip that field position in the punt game all year. I thought it really, really was uh, on display this last Sunday against the Browns. Uh, Trenton Gill was was bad. And then obviously there was a bad muff um, that was was bailed out by a, an interception. But, yeah, it, it's been uh, an issue all year for me. Well, it's kind of funny and ain't this humorous. Because actually, for me, uh, my my uh, humorous was, in fact, Trenton Gill is bad, like bad, bad. And that matters in today's NFL, especially when you're a team that plays on those fringes, right? When you do have an offense that just needs a little something. Um, right here, just going to hide away this banner so you can see this because Gill is, but that's the thing. If I put this banner up, if you're watching live, you can't see Gill. You know why? Because he is the, like, <laughs> near the very, very bottom. He is the second worst punter in terms of EPA in 2023 with a minimum of 15 punts. I mean, it's real rough. Um, this is from the punt runs on Twitter or X, whatever the heck you want to call it. But when you, I'm not, and I'm not going to, this isn't a polls thing, but it's one of those things where if you spend a draft pick on a punter, you're really hoping that he's going to like at least be average. And he just hasn't been. He hasn't been. And, you know, definitely the bear is going to look to upgrade that spot this year. Um, I don't know how you feel about it, but if it's a sixth or seventh round, I'm all in on drafting a, a punter. You know, they're, they're so important this year to be able to, to gain an extra 15, 20 yards in field position to me is is makes a big difference, um, especially when you're facing a guy like Joe Flacco, who, you know, I, I, I don't trust him as much to go 85, 90 yards downfield as it is if he had to go maybe only 40, 50, 60 yards downfield. Well, and speaking of drafting a punter, I mean, I have my eye on Tory Taylor. He's from Australia. So first of all, you get a guy with a cool accent. Yeah. But, you know, he's got 99 of his 288 punts have gone for 50-plus yards. Um, and the total, the punt total and yardage, because he's got 13,297 yards punting, are yeah. both school records, which, let's be real, Iowa also punts a lot, so he's got a lot of practice in there. Yeah. Uh, so I'm totally fine with using a pick, especially on a guy that, again, in Torrey Taylor, which I think he just has a gigantic leg and, and can boom it where – Again, when you're a team like the Bears and you just need that field position flip because uh, you're not a team that's going to traditionally drive 90 plus yards for a touchdown. You, it's a it's a good use of a resource, especially when, let's be real, those six, seven round picks usually don't even make the team. Uh, who yep. is Ryan Poles' love child that they drafted the, tack, the defensive tackle? Oh, I don't know. Uh, yes. Yeah, it was like the guy where like when they when he went on, you could tell he was, he was super tired after the draft. And he's talking about how much he loved this kid coming out. And, you know, there was these weird videos of, like, because whatever school he was from, like, the videos were just, like, not high quality. So it's like they were practicing in a park. It was really weird. Um, and yeah. he ended up getting cut or whatever. Oh, I, I do remember he's on well. I, I'm looking him up now. But, yeah, I mean, I think the last punter the Bears drafted was Pat O'Donnell, right, coming out of uh, 
coming out of Miami there. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I'm all in on drafting another punter for them. Um, and then plus, you know, you take a guy like, like the kid from – are you talking about Travis Bell? Yeah, um, Travis Bell. That's yeah, the one Travis that Ryan Pulse was in love with. Yep, 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 yep. Um, you know, you're talking about, you know, Taylor, my guy, he would just be a huge fan favorite in Chicago with that blue-collar nature and, and things like that, right? People would love him in Chicago. Uh, what is your Wellington's humorous? Um, whew, I don't know. I would say to me, it's uh, – I'm trying to think. Bear with me here. Um, I would say the – I don't want to call Bizarro Mooney on his blocking ability. Um, do it, though. Yeah, I know, I know. It, I think that's it. Just the the effort, even you know his effort to me. I'll put that out there. The, the last couple of weeks, and and even the play that we saw him trying to come back to the football in the past after Justin scrambled. Um, it, it's it, it's very it's it's humorous, um, but it's also alarming, unfortunately. You know, and, and that's what I, I would put that out there. Yeah, it's I get it. Um, he probably expected, especially after he was the number one receiver last year, mm-hmm. to come in and kind of just walk into a contract. All you've heard is how hard of a worker he is. I, and I know that for a fact he works super hard. Um, but you also heard all this about the chemistry always between him and Justin. And that has not shown one iota. Um, part of that's probably on Justin to an extent. Part of it's got to be on Darnell, and it's about also being a professional, and I get it. I don't want to go out there and sprint and run routes and have to block, you know, people I shouldn't probably have to block. I mean, some of the decisions, too, to have him block, like, defensive ends and things makes no sense, but that's a whole other conversation. And it sucks, but this is your job, and you got to go out there and show a little more. Yep. Yep. I would also add um, everybody thinking that ex-Packer Robert Tunyon is a double agent after dropping a (laughs) 75-yard Easiest, easiest pie touchdown pass. That was you, you don't get him in your bread basket any better than that one. Oh, yeah, that was the one that like, he needed that on his highlight reel after the year <laughs> he's been having. Um, what you need to know, just a little bit of background going into this game. The Bears Cardinals rivalry has been played 92 times to the Chicago Bears winning 57 of those games and the Cardinals winning 29. They have also tied six times. It is technically the oldest rivalry in the NFL, featuring the two teams that remained from the league's inception back in 1920. At that time, the Bears were known as the Decatur Staleys. The Cardinals were the Racine Cardinals. In 1922, both teams moved to Chicago, and the matchup between the teams became known as the Battle of Chicago for 38 years, making it the first true rivalry in league's history. This Also, looking at this game just in general, it's kind of interesting, right? If the Bears win, they they lose. It's just right because like if you, if you beat up on the Cardinals, the Cardinals drop a little further in the standings. Your particular pick, not that I root for losses, that's not my thing, um, is also going to move further away um, in terms of uh, being a quote unquote good pick. The Cardinals sit at three and eleven, while the Bears are at five and nine. And you know, I don't know how to feel about this. I want I still want to see my team perform most honestly, just because in theory next year should continue to be a leap forward, a leap forward year, uh, regardless of who's at quarterback. So I don't know. I don't want to see them fall apart against a terrible Cardinals team. I don't either. Um, I, I, again, I I want them to win this football. I, I think the I think the win and them really putting it on them is more important to me than the one to two draft spots they might lose. I, I'm not worried about the Panthers. The Panthers are terrible. I know they got a fluky win last week, but I, I, I don't know if anybody's going to be able to catch them right now. And who's to say that they, even if the Cardinals catch them, that they're going to move on from Kyler Murray and and draft the quarterback. Um, every time I think of the Cardinals Bears matchup, I, I, I'd be remiss to, uh, to not think of the late great Dennis Green uh, back in 2006 on Monday night when the Bears uh, came back uh, from a 23 to three ball game, and then of course he did the uh, you know the you uh, you know they are who we thought they were, yeah, and we let them off the hook, and that was the uh, one of the great Devin Hester returns. Earlier, like I had an amazing game. So I always think of that when I think of Bears Cardinals. Yeah, the Kyler Murray situation is definitely interesting. Um, it's hard to see them getting out of that contract just because he signed a five-year, $230 million contract with the Cardinals, including 29 mil signing bonus, 159 of that million is guaranteed, an average annual salary of 46 million. Uh, even in 2027, there's about 7 million in dead cap that's attached to that. The potential out really does come in 2028. You know, maybe there is a team out there with decent enough books that they feel like they're truly a quarterback away because maybe they only care about not necessarily winning a Super Bowl, but just being relevant. And a trade for a Kyler Murray might 
might make you relevant if you're one of those teams that just needs to put some butts in the stands and show your fans that that you mean something. Um, so it's not Las out of the Vegas. question. Las Vegas. Honestly, Vegas was one of the ones I thought of. Um, I mean, there's a couple players there you might be able to, and they need something. That that franchise has been dead in the water for a little yeah. while here. But, you know, also Kyler Murray is a cautionary tale that you having the first overall pick and taking that quarterback doesn't always equate to the success that you think it is, right? And, and mm-hmm. look at them now. They've kind of taken a step back. He's, he's had some injuries. He's a smaller quarterback. You know, I, I thought that he was going to play baseball his whole entire life when he was coming out. Um, so it's it's a cautionary tale that the grass is not always greener on the other side with these first overall uh, quarterbacks, especially when you don't have the talent and the infrastructure around them. They've gone through a few coaches. The Cliff Kingsbury thing was a disaster, of course. But also, they don't draft Caller. Carl Murray, if Cliff Kingsbury, uh, tongue twister, uh, is not there as head coach at that time. Was he really champion for Kyler? Oh, absolutely. Um, you can say Kyler, cautionary tale, Baker Mayfield, to a yeah. great cautionary tale. Um, yeah. we, we None of these are necessarily slam dunks. Mm-hmm. Um, next section is our love it, hate it, rehabilitate it, uh, where we pick a matchup, uh, player dynamic that we love, that we hate, that we want to fix. My love is the Cardinals are dead last in defensive DVOA. The Bears offense in the air and on the ground really should be able to move the ball here. You add in some of those injuries that that the Cardinals have on defense. You know, this should be an opportunity to, as you said, hopefully just pour it on a team and hopefully leapfrog and create some good feelings going into the final two weeks and ultimately into the offseason just so that there's something a little to be able to hang on to, right, as you're trying to continue to progress this team forward. 100%. 100%. Cardinals also 30th, uh, 31st in the league right now in defense and stopping the run. This is a football game where the Bears have got to be able to run the football. Offense should be firing all cylinders. They should be able to move the football down the field. I expect guys like Cleo Herbert, Deontay Foreman, they should have well over 175 yards rushing this Sunday. Um, for hate, I, mean, I really tried to find something to hate here. I tried real hard. You know, I looked who's who's allowing the least rushing touchdowns, least passing touchdowns allowed, most rushing yards themselves, most sacks, et cetera, et cetera. Trying to find something the Cardinals do well, and there's really nothing. They they, they suck. They do suck. The the only thing that I would hate is um, you know Kyler Murray out on the edge. He, he he still scares me, and you know I I, I like T.J. Edwards in that spot, but. You know, you don't want Kyler Murray getting out on the edge and, and beating uh, this defense. Um, guys breaking contain. Uh, this is where, you know, you know, guys like Walker and Sweat are going to really have to set the edge on Sunday and keep him in the pocket. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Kyler absolutely still – he's like, you know, not a dude right now, dude minus. But, yeah. you know, that he's not nothing. You know, he's going to be able to move definitely better than a Joe Flacco did last week, and we saw what Flacco was able to do. Um, and still be able to, to move enough to be able to get the Browns on the field. So that does, that is a little scary at times. Mm-hmm. Rehabilitate. Get others besides Cole Komet and DJ Moore involved. Um, there's layers to this. Um, one of them being Darnell Mooney ranks 106th right now in catch percentage in the NFL amongst those with minimum 40 targets. He catches 50.88% of his of the passes thrown to him. DJ Moore is the first player listed on as a bear when you're looking at average targeted uh, air yards at 11.7, and he is tied for 37th. The Bears are not attacking downfield with some of these passes. So when you have Justin Fields, this really should be higher, right? He's a big game hunter. He's got a big arm. He's very he's one of the most accurate collegiate uh, deep ball throwers. Yeah, you know, so it's a combination. Like I said, the game plan sucks. Uh, the protections have been wonky. Last week, they got better. Last week was bad. Um, Justin's a part of it, of course, too, right? Um, he has to get through his reads correctly. He has to go to get to the to Darnell. He has to go to get to if he was playing Equinemius St. Brown. The few times Valus runs a route, um, he should be able to get there if he's open. So, you know, just you got to be able to spread the ball around at this point. 100%. Rehabilitate Darnell Mooney, please. He only has 29 catches coming into this game for 409 yards. Only one touchdown this year. DJ Moore, seven touchdowns. Cole Komet, six six touchdowns. Very alarming to me that Darnell Mooney only has one catch more than Roshan Johnson this year, who's also missed some time with an injury. That cannot happen from your uh, starting wide receiver, from your second best wide receiver on a team. Let me see Darnell Mooney cook in this game, please, especially coming off of last week. That'd be fantastic. X factor for the Cardinals. Um, get get Kyler Murray a swagger back. I mean, you got to get him feeling like he was 
you know, last year before he got hurt or two years ago, really uh, this year, he has only four touchdowns and four interceptions. He's already taken 14 sacks and he has a pass rating of 78.4. That's not a recipe for success. Now, you know, in his absence, the Cardinals basically just tore down the team around him. Um, like we talked about Zach Ertz no longer being there. You, just, you don't have, he had to, he had to Andre Hopkins before he's no longer there. So yes. I mean, when you're throwing to Hollywood Brown as your best receiver, going to be a little tough but you know you still got to be able to persevere yeah to me for the cardinals it's james connor this team goes as james connor goes uh right now he's you know by far their leading rusher 717 yards and that's even missing some time this year he's got a 49 percent success rate uh when, when running when he's got big when he has big games the Cardinals tend to sneak out some wins. So if they're going to win this football game on Sunday, it's going to be a heavy dose of James Carner and him getting close to 100 yards in the touchdown. Great minds think alike because my X factor for the Bears was contain James Conner. <laughs> uh, according to Next Gen Stats, Conner ranks third in rushing yards over expected per attempt. Uh, like you said, this team goes as James Conner goes. So if you can stop the run, which the Bears have been very good with, and when I say very good, I mean very good with so far, uh, you really should be able to just get this offense multiple three and outs. My X factor is controlling the time of possession for the Bears. So, you know, the Cardinals right now, their average drive is, is only two minutes and 38 seconds. They're, they're only they're running uh, just slightly under six plays per drive, which means that the Bears should be able to hold on to the football for an extended period of time. And let's stack drives in this football game. And if you stack drives, you're keeping Kyler Murray on the on the sidelines. You're keeping your defense well rested, and that's where your blowout lies in. Be able to have long, sustainable drives and keep Kyler Murray on the sidelines. Absolutely love it. Got some over unders here. No word for anyone in particular, mainly just from my brain. So if these numbers are weird, that's just because that's how my brain works. Um, Justin Fields passing yards over under two hundred point five. What do you think? Ooh, um, I will take a slight over on that number. Uh, again, he would have hit that last week if Robert Tunyon catches a football. Yep. I mean, it's hard to play the what if game, of course. You know, that's just not how sports really should work. But Robert Tunyon, um, if he did get that little flip on the screen, um, if Darnell Mooney, I mean, you don't want to hope for a Hail Mary, but if, if he caught that Hail Mary, all of a sudden the stats do look a little different. James Conner rushing yards over under 75 and a half. I want to take the under. I think the Bears have been really stout the last couple of weeks in stopping the run. I think they're going to really key up and make Kyler Murray try and beat them in the intermediate game to long game where, you know, you have got Eddie Jackson and Jalen Johnson waiting on you. I've got James Conner going under on that. Bears forced turnovers, two and a half. Ooh, they do lead the league in interceptions right now. Uh, um, I'm going to take still take the under, though. That means they're going to have to get three turnovers in that game. I can see maybe one or two. I don't know if we'll see three, but you know, it wouldn't surprise me. But I'm take the under for now. Yeah, it's actually kind of amazing how many times they have gotten three turnovers in the last couple of weeks. But mm -hmm. I mean, that turnovers are fickle, right? I mean, it's right. not something you can necessarily count on. Kyler Murray total touchdowns one and a half. I'm taking the under on that. I just don't know if. Um, yeah, I, I don't think that he's going to be able to get. Uh, as much offense against this Bears defense this Sunday on the road in a hostile environment with a team that, you know, for all intents and purposes, they should be theoretically checked out and, and ready for Cancun in a couple weeks. <laughs> uh, this is a pick em. Bears running back rushing leader. Let's go by yards. Foreman Herbert Roshan. I'm going back to Cleo Herbert. It's been a little while since Cleo Herbert really uh, had some breakaway stuff. I didn't like what I see, you know, from, like you said, from Foreman coming off of the concussion. I thought um, Roshan Johnson also looked a little slow last week, in particular on one screenplay where I thought he could have, you know, had an extra 10, 15 yards. He just looked a little sluggish and slow. But I think this is a better game for Cleo Herbert to be able to knife through that defense and lead this league, uh, lead this team, excuse me, in rushing this week. And let's wrap up this section. Trey McBride reception, seven and a half. Ooh, uh, I'm going to take the under on that. Yeah, seven and a half is a big number. It's a big number. Um, the last couple of weeks he's gotten over that number, but it's yeah. really the only bright spot the Cardinals he's have the only, had. Yeah. He's but out. man, yeah, it's 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 a pretty hefty one. I mean, if you're giving up eight receptions to Trey McBride, we got to have another conversation about Blues. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it just hopefully he's learned from dropping his his defensive tackle in the coverage last week. And uh, I think the way the Bears linebackers are playing right now between uh, Edmonds 
and 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 TJ Edwards and Sam Bourne and the way the guys are playing the outside. We'll be able to keep that to the under. Game predictions. Uh, first, let's do this game: Arizona Cardinals at the Bears. The Bears are favored four and a half. Yeah. What do you got? I got the Bears covering that spread. I got them putting up at least twenty-four points in this football game. I got Bears twenty-four, Cardinals ten. All right. I love. Actually, I was not too far off. I had Bears twenty-seven, Cardinals ten. So yeah. right, right there. Uh, th- tonight's game: uh, the New Orleans Saints at the LA Rams. Rams are favored by four. Who you got? This one makes me nervous because 91% of the betting public right now is coming in on the Rams. And when that happens, that makes me super nervous. I'm going to pick the Rams to win this football game, but it would not be surprised me if the Saints had the uh, had a real had a, re- a very weird random win tonight. But for now, I got to go with the Rams. Too much offense, too much Puka, too much Cup, too much Kyrian Williams. There's something weird about you know the betting gods when they see uh, the bets go about you know over that 90-ish percent to so one direction. They're like, eh, just kidding. They slam the lever the other way. Listen, babe, the hotels in Vegas weren't weren't built for free. <laughs> they were paid for with games like this. <laughs> uh, we got next one: Green Bay Packers at the Carolina Panthers. A division divisional person opponent also be Panthers matter obviously for that pick. Uh, Packers are favored by four and a half. Kind of a low number. Yep. It is a little number, but that's because uh, of what happened to them last week and allowed Baker Mayfield to just do whatever he wanted. Um, I still have the Packers in this one as much as you never wanted to root for the Packers to, to win. I think they should be able to cover that four and a half number. And uh, I don't think Matt LaFleur is going to allow his team to lose to Carolina Panthers this week. Talking about a surprising number, at least in my opinion, the Detroit Lions at Minnesota Vikings. Lions favored, but only by three against this Nick Mullins-led Vikings team. Yeah, and, you know, I, I'm, I'm not mad at the Lions have been struggling lately. I think this has got a lot to do with Brian Flores and the fact that he will blitz you 70% of the time and Jared Goff absolutely stinks against the blitz. I'm actually going to take the Vikings to cover this football game. I think that they can keep it close, potentially even win it. All right, that, that's a nice little deep one for y'all. And then lastly, let's wrap it up. Uh, another team that just matters for just kind of pick consideration, uh, the New England Patriots at the Denver Broncos Broncos are favored by six and a half. Yeah, I actually think the the Patriots will cover this football game. Bailey Zappi is playing a little bit better. He, you know, he had a stretch where he was like 15 for 17 last week against the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, you know, and made that game a little bit more interesting. I think the Patriots can cover this game, but I think the Broncos will win it. Yeah, I made the mistake. I had a QB conundrum in a fantasy playoff and fortunately had to start either Tommy Cutlets or Zappy, and I went with Cutlets. And it was a yeah. poor, poor choice. <laughs> didn't, didn't win that one. Yeah. All right, we're getting close to the end of the show here, y'all. Cox, six, and bull story. This is our bold predictions where we're going to have an offensive and a defensive prediction. I'll start offense. Cole Komet gets two touchdowns. Uh, he's been a bit of a – he's been – He's fallen off a little bit recently, but as you said, right, second leading touchdown receiver on this team. I think he's going to stack two in there. A couple uh, extra trips into the red zone should help that. I love it. I got Darnell Mooney getting a 50-plus yard reception and a touchdown. So I think he's going to get 75 yards at least through the air and one touchdown this Sunday. Big bounce back game for him. That is bold on so many levels for Darnell. I hope so. I mean, he's a good dude. It's just it hasn't been clicking for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, my last one, defense. I'm going to run it back from last week because I, I it's got to happen. Gervon Dexter going to triple his sack total, go from half a sack to one and a half this week. Yes, I love it. Eddie Jackson was one yard away from that pick six that he, sold, that he loves so much. It happens this Sunday. Eddie Jackson pick six. Offensive player of the game, the uh, specifically not Justin Fields award just because – I refuse to put him here. Um, for me, I'm going to say I mean, it, it would make sense. It would be Cole Komet if he had two touchdowns. Um, but I do think the Bears running game finds or should find a little something. You're hoping that the Bears offense kind of may, tries to use this as a get right, work out some of the kinks that they've had, and they need the run game to work. So I'm going to go a little opposite what you went earlier with Cleo Herbert being the leading rusher. I think Roshan Johnson continues to be the guy because of his pass protecting <sighs> – better than the worst at this point, um, and then what he does as a receiver. Love it. From the number standpoint, I think it's Darnell Mooney this week. From the tape standpoint, where we break it down next week, I think you expect a big game from uh, Darnell Wright on the right side there. Multiple pancake blocks on the edge against a very, very poor uh, Cardinals defensive line. And as an understatement, uh, we have a defensive player of the game as well. Uh, you know, I'm going to go with TJ Edwards. 
he's just flying around. He's racking up tackles. He's causing chaos. He's getting turnovers. He's helping create turnovers for other teammates. Um, it was one of the one might go down as one of the polls best signings in terms of just pure value. Yeah. Uh, I've been a very critical of Jaquan Brisker this season, but he's been playing absolutely outstanding of late. I'm going to go with Jaquan Brisker. I think he's the right guy that's going to be able to contain Kyler Murray. Um, I expect to see him on a couple blitzes. He might be able to get a sack in this game as well as help in containing uh, James Conner. So I wouldn't be surprised if he stacked up another 10 plus tackles and got a sack defensive play of the game. And lastly, our King of the North, AKA MVP. I mean, again, this kind of ends up being the Justin Fields category, but it really, I think it has to be, he has to feast in this game because it is a, such an inferior opponent. Um, one of the things I fear ultimately is this is kind of a lose, lose either Justin does well. And you have this conversation of, well, it's the Cardinals. You should have done well or he doesn't do well, and it's like, all right, well, there's another nail in that coffin. Yeah. Obviously, if it's the latter, you're getting closer to your ultimately what your answer is. So maybe that's good for Bears Nation, but you really just hope that that isn't the case. Extend the controversy another week. This will give you uh, Mitch Trubisky's six touchdowns against the Buccaneers vibes. Uh, Justin will have a big game, and uh, everybody, all, all the praisers and the deterrents will be bashing heads again for yet another week, because how else will we end 2023 with more nauseating Justin Fields versus Caleb Williams conversations? <laughs> oh, absolutely. It's most wonderful time of the year. Well, Ross, I can't thank you enough for coming on, putting on the, the Santa cap outfit, as you could say, to be a Santa Reed for this. Um, anything you have to, first of all, where can people find all your stuff that you talk, the shows that you do, all that jazz and uh, and, and all that? Absolutely. Find me on Twitter at Ross Reed. R-E-A-D is my last name. Um, I host podcasts with my co-hosts, Evan Mack, Mack and Reed on the Bears uh, Barroom Network. Talk a ton of sports, uh, but also I'm very passionate about movies, television shows, uh, hip hop, pop culture. So we as we uh, to take a baseball reference, we will spray the ball to all fields. So check us out. Yeah, I know when we get to talk, you're always schooling me on things I need to know some movies that clearly I'm either just too naive or too young for uh, help me out with my, my drink choices. And I, I can always, I always appreciate that. Of course, my man. Appreciate you. All right. Bears nation. It was nice having you on here uh, as always leave comments, help us out. What can we do better? What would it we might ignore you to be honest, because we just do what we want to do anyway. <laughs> um, but you know, enjoy this time of the year. I know uh, Bears football is not necessarily the most fun right now, but this week should be at least lift your spirits up a little bit. Um, Enjoy your time with loved ones. If you don't have loved ones, please try to reach out. Uh, we're always going to do what we can to help those in need. Bear down. Peace.